0: That's, you actually pronounce that Tychicus. So everyone giggle. Go ahead. Get it out of your system. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. And Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Man, I mean, that's like the closing credits in a movie, really, you know? When you, if you're a rap fan, that's called the outro. Anyone listen to a rap album? There's always one, one number on the CD where some, they're congratulating and thanking all the people that helped them put the... Not a lot of rap fans in here. Anyone ever heard of the outro? No? Okay, this is the outro. Um, so, are we really going to go through this part of the body, or or this part of the uh, the scripture, the Bible, as we finish Colossians? And the answer is yes, we are. We're going to go through it. Um, now, this is not a passage that you see on coffee mugs. Um, hipsters don't tattoo Colossians four on their forearms or anything like that. Um, we don't memorize passages like this, um, but they are still very profitable to us. When Paul talks to Timothy, he says that every part of the every part of the Word of God is profitable for us. Um, it admonishes us, it will challenge us, it teaches us, corrects us, trains us for what? For why? To be equipped, to be complete for every good work. So this might be the first time you've heard anyone preach from this text, and welcome to the club, because it's the first time I've ever done it. Um, but we can learn. And we can be equipped from this passage. I'm going to look at this real briefly. One thing that we can learn, the obvious thing that we can learn, is that Paul kept names. Paul knew specific people. He knew who had a jersey on and who didn't. Paul knew who is in community and who is not. Right? We can get that. In fact, there's 11 names there individually named out. 11 and 11 verses. That's not insignificant and it's not even odd for Paul. If you look on in 2 Timothy... Well, really, just Timothy in general. Um, He names out 16 names in as little as 13 verses. He actually names out three guys because they were trolls. Because they came and they were kind of turkeys. They hurt Paul in some way. So he named them out individually saying, hey, these guys do not have our jersey on, right? Um, Romans 16, you've got over 30 people individually named in 16 verses. Not uncommon, not insignificant, right? Paul knew who was in community, and who is not in community. He also knew each person even beyond their name. This isn't just a registry of names. There's some descriptors placed before and after. That's why you see things like beloved brother, fellow prisoner, right? Beloved physician, servant of Christ. He's giving credit to these men that he's announcing. You know, and not just Paul, but I will tell you the church at large, they too knew who was in community and who is not in community. I mean, the Colossians, as they received this letter, they knew who he was talking about. These are names that were familiar. It'd be like if I was to be gone for a long time and write you a letter and send it with somebody and say, hey, Ernie and Lisa are gonna come to Knoxville, welcome them, you guys would know who he was. You'd know that he was part of the body. You'd know he has a jersey on. Does that make sense? We see this cool passage. It's a little unique passage in 1 Timothy 5. And Timothy, he is this disciple of Paul. So Timothy's this young, you know, can't grow any facial hair yet, church planter, trying to figure out how to do this thing. Paul is this seasoned warrior who just does nothing, he just plants churches on accident. You know, he just goes and a church starts, right? And so Timothy's running into this problem in Ephesus where he's a pastor. problem is this, he's got a lot of widows. And they all have needs. They all need help. They don't have husbands, He's like, I don't know what to do. The church doesn't have enough means to supply every widow. What do we do, Paul? Paul says this. Let a widow be enrolled, which means served by the church, brought in. If she is not less than 60 years of age, wife of one husband, having a good reputation, brought up children, shown hospitality, served the saints, cared for the afflicted, devoted herself to every good work. What is he saying? He's saying there's some women that are going to be known to your community. I mean, it's very obvious here that they took names. They kept records. We see this all through the New Testament, especially in Acts. You see it over and over and over again where they knew how many. They knew who it was. That's one thing we can learn. There was an intimate knowledge of who was in and who was not in community. It's shown very clearly for us here. This is a good example of that. But even though we can learn that from this text, I mean, how does that help us? I mean, how can that equip us? How does this help us today as a church? I want to let this text today drive us to where I think we're going next as a community, which does bring some formality. I want to talk a little bit about committed community. Committed community as it pertains to a partnership or membership. Those can be ugly words to some of you, I know. and Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So when I say words like partnership or membership, you're like right over your head. I'm with you. That was me. I never grew up in a church, never worked in a church, was never a pastor in a church that had anything like this before. So it was a steep learning curve for me, okay? So you're gonna le- if you're like me, you're going to learn a little bit today, alright? And you're going to learn how it pertains to you, and you're also going to learn how your flesh kind of resists it a little bit, okay? If you do, and some of you do understand, I've already been approached by several of you that are like, hey, do y'all do membership here? When are we doing membership? I'm ready to do membership. You're also going to learn some things today, okay? Because this is why we do it. We don't just do it because every church does it. We do it because there's a beautiful biblical reason for it. But why now? Why would we do something like this now? We're doing it now because some of you already don't know somebody across the room. We're already getting a little bit big for knowing intimately who is in community and who is not. And guess what? Pretty soon, pretty soon, I'm not going to know anybody that's sitting in the back left corner. and Or someone's going to come five times, but I'm only going to have seen them once. It's going to be difficult. This might be the most important piece of structure, conduit, that we lay down as a church eldership team. It might be. And I... Listen, I expect immediate pushback by some of you on this. I welcome it. I was one of them. I gave pushback. I'm the one. I would always push. Why do you got to do that? I don't see what the big deal is. Because we don't like adding structure to the church, do we? As a people, we don't. When we, <laughs> When we were in the house, I mean, not even a year ago, not even a year ago, like seven months ago, we were in a house, right? Small family came in. They loved it. This guy loved it. He's like, Luke, this is beautiful. It's in a house. It feels so organic. It feels so natural, you know. Don't ever get big. Don't ever get, don't ever start adding walls and stuff like that. I mean, it's just such a bad word to people to have structure, to have tracks laid down and boundaries and help. I'm here to tell you, it's not such a bad deal, right? But our flesh resists it does. We don't like doing that. We don't like things like commitment, accountability, authority, any of those words, words that rhyme with it, right? It's hard. So this is the disclaimer before I jump in and, and start trucking through this. True church membership. True church membership. True church membership is gained by Christ. He is what wins you into the body of Of God. Okay, so when you become a Christian, you are a member of the larger body of Christ. You're already a member. Okay, I'm trying to be painfully clear in that. When he trades his righteousness for your utter and total unrighteousness, and he makes that beautiful swap, and he wins you into his noble family, and you're of a new bloodline, that new life, that new beginning, when that happens, you're a member of the body of God. Congratulations. You're a brother to me. You're a brother to someone else, or you're a sister. We are connected. We see this beautifully. You don't have to... Don't put this up. I'm going to fly through a lot of this. 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, real pretty. 12-12, that's an easy way to remember this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are, as one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. So let me say it again. Church membership does not make you a Christian... Jesus makes you a Christian. Okay? That was kind of obvious. I know. That's why, you know, you'll hear you'll hear people like Wes or me or Jeremy or some of the elders, you'll hear us refer to this as partnership sometimes. We'll kind of use those words interchangeably because we believe that there's a difference between being a member of the whole body and being a partner with this tribe. Does that make sense? Yeah? Everyone shake their head. Does that make sense? You can shake your head no if you want. Alright, good. Um, so... Some of you are thinking, "Oh my gosh, I picked the wrong morning to come and try this out. you know, Hey dude, I'm just visiting seriously. Um, if you' if if you are just visiting and you're kicking tires on churches, hey you might be kicking tires on Christianity. at some point, this will become relevant to you, if not with legacy, with somewhere else most likely, okay? So this will be for free to you, all right? Um, if you are just kind of shopping, welcome thanks for coming. It's good to have you. No, I'm not going to have everyone sign something today. Alright? So everyone can relax on that. Um, So why do this? Why go through all the trouble? Because it looks like I'm having to go through a lot of trouble, right? Madden disclaimers and explaining and giving explanations. Why go through all the trouble? I'm going to give you three really quick reasons. One is that I believe this honors and reflects the commitment that Jesus Christ made to us. It's very committal. Right? Christ was committed to rescuing us. This is a big deal. This is the biggest of the three reasons. He was committed to capturing us. Capturing you. Capturing me. At a very deep cost to Himself. Right? Being uncommitted to the bride that He was committed to. Not a very good option. Not a good answer. Not the answer. Right? So if I, whenever I became freed... From independence and my own rebellion. I was for myself, unto myself, by myself. And that was my deal. I was individual. I was singular. When I was broke free from that trance, when the cross broke me free from that, for me to be uncommitted and disloyal and just ambivalent about any church, that doesn't image the very thing that just broke me out of my own selfishness. It doesn't even look like it. So the gospel was intentional. I need to be intentional. Because when the groom, as we're going to see next week, when the groom aggressively pursues the bride, fights for her, sacrifices for her, even dies for her, when the groom does that, for the bride to be anything less than devoted to that groom, it looks weird, doesn't it? It looks deformed. Some would say it looks adulterous. And we we get this, don't we? You see a family you know, a couple you know, guy's cheating on the wife, the gal's cheating on him, however it is, there's something in that that turns your insides upside down. You see that and you're like, ugh, that's horrible. I can't believe that's ha- Why? Why is it happening to you? Because there's a dishonoring of something. There's a commitment given one direction that's not reciprocated from the other. We get this. I mean, we really, really get this when it comes down to it. So one of the reasons I, want to, I, I really believe in this is because I think we can honor Jesus being intentionally committed. Intentionally committed. And we can image that in our intentional commitment, right? He is devoted to His bride. I don't want to look deformed by doing anything else. So, well, Luke, I believe that. Luke, listen, I believe this. I believe that you should be committed to the body of Christ, but local... I mean, the local body? Where's that in the Bible? That's not in the Bible, is it? Is that in the Bible? You know, it is in the Bible. It's not explicit, but it is implicit. All right? And it's, it's actually very deeply implicit, kind of like the Trinity, all right? Which is also something that some would say is not very explicit. So the other two reasons I'm going to get are going to help us towards that direction, right? One big reason that I'm a big fan of this, being a partner with a local tribe, a local church, is because it's healthy for you. It's healthy for you. It's healthy for us. Healthy for you as an individual. It's healthy for us as a body. Because it does show who is in community and who is not in community. This is why church discipline makes sense. This is the only way it makes sense. There was this trouble in the church of Corinth, right? Paul had to address it in this first letter. I'm just going to read it to you. It's not going to be on the screen. Just listen. This is Paul talking to this church. It is actually reported that there is sexually Im- or sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. Yeah, that's messed up. Pagans don't do that either by the way. Right? And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Removed. Paul says this simply. Put him out. Get him out. Well, Luke, that's not very loving towards him. You know what? It's not very loving towards the body to keep him in. He goes on and spends the rest of the chapter saying, hey, go ahead and keep that sin in there. Watch what it does to the rest of the body. A little leaven, leavens the whole lump. It's healthy for you. But in order for there to be a putting out, there has to be an in. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. If there's not some formal commitment that is understood, then what the heck are they talking about? Right? How do you do that? Put him out of what? By what right? Doesn't even make sense. So, there are some other examples. Paul Paul had no problem naming people out, man. He didn't. This is what he tells Timothy. I'm going to read it. Don't turn there. Second Timothy Alexander, the coppersmith, he did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. But beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Alexander. Hey, Alexander, Timothy, does not have our jersey on. Not one of us. He's dangerous. He's dangerous to you in Ephesus. He was dangerous to me. Right? Matters. Names matter. By rejecting this faith and good conscience, Paul says a little earlier, some have shipwrecked their own faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander. Again with Alexander. Right? 2 Timothy but avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus they are upsetting the faith of some hey these guys Timothy not on our team not on our team not healthy for your people your young Christians these brand new marriages these babies these kids these youth high schoolers college it's not healthy they know how to talk. They know how to preach. They got this swanky theology, and they'll preach it, and people will believe it. Don't let them in the door. The only reason that even makes sense is because there was an understanding of who was in committed community. It's the only reason it made sense. These guys were dangerous. So how? Well, let me just say it this way: think of the think of the other side of the coin. A church that does not honor this commitment a church that does not do this, how can I, how can us as elders, how can we protect you guys? We're just getting bigger. In a living room, I could see it coming a mile away. You can see the Himenaeuses, you can see the Alexanders. I know what they sound like. It doesn't take very long to pick up on that. Pick up the phone, take care of it, done. You're safe, you don't even know about it. Some of you don't even know that that's happened. It's happened already, okay? As we grow, as we grow, a little bit more difficult. A little bit more difficult. Structure is necessary, even a little bit. So, yeah, Luke, but you're still not answering the question. What about local partnership? I mean, when Paul put these people out of the church, he put them out of the church, you understand. When he said, get them out of the church, that was it. Now, it's lost on us today, because if I were to put someone out of a church today, they get in the car next week, they drive down the street and go to another church. No one's the wiser, right? That happens all the time. That didn't happen back then. This is talking about the church global. Paul is handing them over, outside of community, that God would chastise them, deal with them, with their own sin against themselves, their family, the church, their own body. Right? This is a little different. So Luke, what about local partnership? Third reason, real fast. Look at Hebrews 13. If you have your Bible, I think he's going to throw it up on the screen. I think we have that. Yeah. Hebrews 13. Boy, this is a great verse, man. I love this verse. It says this. Oh, I love it for the right reason. Y'all are going to think I'm all greedy here in a minute. (laughs) Obey your leaders. (laughs) That's not, listen, that's not why I love this verse, okay? <laughs> Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to, view, to you. He's saying, hey, don't be a pain in the butt to the pastors and the elders in your church because it doesn't help you at all. They're having to even give an account to you or for you. Don't, be, be gentle with them. I mean, come on, that's what Paul or the author of Hebrews is saying how am I supposed to know who those people are how am I supposed to know who this is talking about as an elder how am I supposed to know who I'm responsible for when I'm face to face with the God who created the universe and I have to give an account for every single person that has been in my care as an elder faithful to God how am I supposed to know who it is that I'm accountable for I'd like to know I'd like to know, right? Let me tell you, if, if you are a committed partner with us, when this is all said and done, we'll have a process, it will end in seven weeks, if you become, if you become a committed partner with Legacy Church, and you call this home, you throw your lot in, and you give consistently, joyfully, with your time, your talent, your treasure, as you, as you do this, I will do the best I can. As elders, we will do the best we can to serve you we will lay down our lives for you. We will do everything we can. If we do a bad job at leading you as elders, if we flake out, if we don't lift our end of the, of the bargain, that's on us. That's on us. If you come and you want to just come and, and hang out, that's totally fine. But if you've decided ahead of time, this is not going to be home for me. In fact, no place is going to be home for me, ever. And you're going to come and you have no intention of being committed to anything. Ever. Anywhere. You're never going to give of your time, your talent, or your treasure. You're just coming to take. If that's you, we will still try to love you. We will still serve you. We will still lay down our lives for this church. But when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, I'm not going to be accountable for you. I'm sorry. I'm not. I can't be. It's not right. So, What about you? Look at the same passage, Hebrews 13, 17. What about you? When this says obey your leaders, who is that for you? Have you ever thought about that? Who is that for you? Is it just everybody that calls himself a leader? Every dude or dudette that comes around that says they are a leader, they got it on a business card or they got a website or a blog. Heaven help us. And they they want to be your leader? Are you just going to obey them? Hey, listen, there's some weird stuff out there, man. (laughs) Crazy stuff. You know, we were... Some of you know the story, but when we were in Tampa Bay, part part of the first early years we were there, me and two other pastors, we knocked on doors and told people, Hey, there's a new church in town. You know, my name's Luke. And so we kind of did that for two years. We knocked on 50,000 doors. Three of us did, right? Saw some crazy stuff in that time. You can only imagine. I could write a book almost. And I ran almost daily, ran into the guy who I got a pastor. It's Kenneth Copeland. My pastor's Joyce Meyer. My pastor's whoever it is on the TV, right? That's my pastor. And they flaunted it. They, they just wanted you to challenge the fact that, hey, I'm in the body, brother. I'm in the, my, my pastor's on TV. I'm in the body. I'm, I'm in fellowship. But really, your pastor know who you are? So I walk up to Kenneth, hey, Kenneth. Hey, hey, Pastor Copeland. Hey, Joyce. Do you know this guy? No. I mean, who's talking to you whenever your family's jacked up? Whenever your marriage is on the rocks, are they they coming in and helping you? Are they serving you? I mean, are you really in community with them? I mean, seriously. So I ran into this one guy once, and we did the bouts. By then, I was pretty good at this, dealing with with televangelist guy. That was his church. And as we were going back and forth, it came out of my mouth. I kind of regretted it. But I mean, it was what it was. I laid it out there. It was already out there. I said, man, so are you okay with your wife having that commitment to you? I'm just curious. You know? I mean, you're not very committed to anything. Are you okay with your wife having that level of commitment? I mean, just not being very... I mean, you're expecting deep commitment from your family, but you're saying I'm not giving anyone any access to my life on that level. I said, what are you modeling for your kids? What are you modeling for your marriage? I feel sorry for your wife. That's what I shouldn't have said. Whenever I said I feel sorry for your wife. But it came out. But the truth is that I do. I feel sorry for her. I feel sorry for that family. He never came to church. <laughs> so being partnered and committed to a local body, it makes me functionally accountable. And it makes you functionally accountable. Genuinely, legitimately accountable. Both of us. Not just you, but me right gives me a chance out of the gates so as i finish this up why is it that this is hard what is our flesh's response now all morning i've been talking about this some of you've had some feelings come up right some of you've already had some things rise to the top i want to address those what is your fleshly response to this some of us we have an authority issue we do not like being under people it's just as a matter of fact it's in all of us actually it's in all of us started with adam right didn't like being under didn't didn't like being under any kind of an authority wanted to develop himself as an authority what about the nation of israel who always did rise what they saw in their own eyes as being right we we we're, we're of the same ilk right but we like to think that we know what we're doing and we like to think that we know what we're talking about without anyone's help we do i answer to no one you know, that's our mantra. In our in our bad moments, that's who we are. When we don't really resist being told that we're right about something. We always resist being told that we're wrong about something. That's where authority gets tough. Whenever I was, I was telling a good friend this the other day, whenever I was um, a young man, man, I was like 20. I was fresh in the Lord. I was just learning all this stuff. I'd never been under authority before, right? So I show up. This pastor, my pastor said, hey, we've got a bunch of guys coming over to help me move my hot tub. Can you come over at so-and-so time and help me move this hot tub? Yeah, sure. So I show up. There's no cars there. That's because I'm 10 minutes, 15 minutes early. I'm like, hey, I'm early, but you told me this time, right? Yeah, I wanted you to show up a little earlier. And he had a rebuke for me because I was being a turkey on something. And it was wrong. I was wrong. And so he said, Luke, I want to talk to you about and he just he just let me have it. I mean he was gentle about it, but he let me have it. Now listen, there was part of my brain that said this. I'm a grown man. You can't talk to me like that. No one talks to me like that. Who are you? You know, you're not my dad. You know, I had this attitude in me that I'm thinking, I can't believe he's actually talking to me like this. He's actually doing this. And then there was another part of me that said, you need this. You've never been under an authority. You're always rebellious. Your heart's always been hardened and rebellious. It's good for you to be coached like that. He's only saying what needs to be said. Probably needed to be said a long time ago. And as I started to yield to that authority, it was not abused in my life. He didn't ever abuse that. It was very beautiful about how he handled authority in my life. It made me the man I am. I wouldn't be married today. Sure as heck wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be talking to you today. I wouldn't even be in fellowship today. I needed that authority in my life. But we've always spurned it. Jesus came though, didn't he? He snapped us out of this spell, this self-fascination, this addiction to self-authority. And we what do we do? We submit through men. We submit through men. He rules us through men. Well, Luke, here's an objection. I already hear it coming. Luke, I'll let Jesus be my authority, but not man. Not man. But think about it, that's not a real hyper-spiritual objection if you think about it. Jesus Christ set in men to lead, did he not? Started with the twelve, follows right on through the New Testament. You know, if we, if, if you got pulled over by a police officer and he came out and he said, you need to pay this or show up here, you would never go, yeah, maybe not. Not from you, I mean, not unless the president himself. I mean, I'll follow the president, but I'm not following you, officer, congressman. We would never do that. Why? Because we understand the concept of borrowed authority. We understand the concept of qualified borrowed authority, but we don't like to honor it in the church very much. We don't. It's typical. I mean, listen, I understand. But I will say when we struggle with authority, it's not a man problem. It's a rebellion problem. It's a rebellion problem. And we're not really modeling the gospel very well. Because Jesus Christ, when He was under authority, did not stick His heels in one time not one time you won't find it he stepped under authority so well not my will's lord not my will but yours be done that was his that was his heart's cry so we have an authority issue we have a commitment issue we don't like being held accountable or answering to others this is just our flesh's response okay all of us have one two maybe all of these going on at the same time okay i understand We don't like our stuff being exposed by a leader. We sure don't like it being exposed by a peer. By a peer coming up to you and saying, I don't like it when you do this. Hey, have you ever noticed that you do this? What's the first thing you think? (laughs) Did you notice you do this? Don't we? Don't we immediately look at the life and their life and we start assessing all the garbage and we think, you get your crud together first, then you can talk to, hey brother, I mean take the log out of your own eye before you come and take the speck out of mine. No, that was written to you. You take the log out of your eye before you go and tell someone to take the speck out of theirs. That's how that works. We struggle with that. We struggle with commitment. But even from the mouths of those who are jacked up, show up late, don't have their stuff together, fail their classes and get fired from jobs, even from the mouths of those folk, watch God shape your life. Watch Him do it. Watch Him say something to you through that person. Billy Graham has this saying, Mark Driscoll quotes it all the time, I'm sure others do too, I have, where it says, I always turn my critics into coaches. These are men that would come up to Billy Graham totally unqualified to even open up their mouth to a guy who's laid down his life to the extent that Billy Graham has. And he's like, you know what? There might be a thread of truth in what they're saying. There might be. I'm going to be open to it. I'm going to be open to it. Right? A lot of times there's not going to be any truth, but there might be. I like that. Because if that can't be the case, who else is going to coach you? Who else can do community with you? Because we're all screwed up, aren't we? We all have a little bit of sludge on us. I mean, if if I'm not qualified to come up to Ernie and go, Hey, man, I was just noticing the way you do this. Have you ever thought about... If I'm not qualified to do that, who is? Who is? Matt Chandler says this about this concept right here. He says, Growth into godliness can hurt. For instance, as I interact with others in my own local body, my own slothfulness is exposed, as is my lack of patience and my prayerlessness and my hesitancy to associate with the lowly. Yet, this interaction gives me the opportunity to be lovingly confronted by brothers and sisters who are in the trenches with me. As well as a safe place to confess and repent. Man, I love it. I, I, I really am appreciative for him to even come out and say that publicly. But the objection is this. Still there are objections, I know. Luke An elder has a right to step into my life. But not just an an everyday dude. You're right, they don't just have a right. They have an obligation. They have an obligation to step into your life. Which leads me to this point real quickly. We have a a community issue. We don't like being responsible for others. Now this isn't just them being responsible for us and trying to hold us accountable. We don't like doing that with others. It's not so much that we don't like them getting their fingerprints all over our lives. We don't want to burden ourselves by investing our lives into community. It's a community issue too, right? This means being very intentional, going into others' space, because our flesh says that self is more important. And to do anything else in someone else's life isn't about me. It will cost me time, and it won't get me anything. It will be unprofitable for me to go over and spend time dealing with that guy's issues, right? It'll just exhaust me. It will take out of my tank, and it won't fill it up. We would never just come out and say that though, would we? But that's really what we're thinking. It's like that time where you see someone drop something out of the corner of your eye at Starbucks or something like that, but you act like you don't see it. You know what I'm saying? You see it, you know you do. You see it, but you're thinking, if I just act like I don't see it, they don't know that I see it because my eyes are pointed this way and I just caught it out of my peripheral. And it's easier for me to just keep doing this because there's not going to be enough payoff to go over there and help them clean up, pick up, do whatever. There's not going to be any payoff. So we just kind of act like we don't see it. Right? Because we're not exposed yet. And we do that on a grander level in community, we do that. We act like we don't see that that guy's got mouth problem. We act like we don't see that that woman has a slander problem, or this guy has a selfishness problem. We act like we don't see it as if we're not acting like we see the guy that just dropped his cup or something. Does that make sense? We have a community problem. Many like investment, but they're not crazy about investing in community. It's very important, right? Um, and then lastly, we have a theology issue. Because we, once again, we don't like structure in the church. The bad theology is, is if it's structured, if it's organized, boy, it must be bad. Because it's just bad. Structure's bad. I will tell you, people corrupt the church, not structure. <laughs> okay? When churches go wrong, it's not really too much of a structure problem a lot of times. When things grow, you add structure. Some of you have big families. Some of you have four kids, five kids. One kid, for all of you unmarrieds, right? One kid, it's kind of like having a, a nice purse. It's more like an accessory. Bring them everywhere you go. Everyone dotes. Everyone wants to hold the baby. It's not such a big deal. You, you upgrade to two babies, then three. They're not accessories anymore. And what are you doing with your schedule? You're adding structure, are you not? You do this for now on, and I'll do this for now on, right? We're going to divide and conquer. Now we've got systems. Now we've got this one helps this baby with this one. And Listen, I've got kids helping kids. We've got a little system going on. It's structured. It's very organized, okay? I'm not afraid to admit that. Organic, let me just submit this fast. Organic does not mean sloppy. Organic does not mean sloppy. Kevin preaches the paint off the walls when it comes to this. He does a good job and he's already done it, so I won't exhaust it. I will say that whenever I was a lost young man in college, one of the biggest things that led me to Christ was actually an evolution class. When I learned about the evolution of photosynthesis, y'all didn't know that there was such a thing, right? This photosynthesis is allegedly evolved. But I learned this in biochemistry and we looked at just the simplest forms of photosynthesis, which is how plants convert um, just raw elements into energy for itself to grow, right? Which works pretty well because there's green stuff all over the planet, right? So when you look at it, it's organic. It's crazy organic, and it is amazingly structured. Uh, It looks like one of the most finest tuned engines. You pull one little piece out, it comes off the tracks. It is incredibly structured and organized. It's amazingly structured and organized. The early church, it organized itself. It implemented structure. They started adding deacons. They started having... Different ways of setting up how they met in cities. It started adding structure to itself. Why? Because it got so big and it wasn't safe to not have anything otherwise. So I'm going to talk to just three different kinds of people real quick and then I'm done. I'm going to pray and then um, the worship team's going to come back. I'm going to talk to you real quickly if you're totally unconvinced with everything that I'm saying. If inside you're thinking, Luke, I totally disagree with you on every... And there might be some of you in here. I, I bet there might be. I totally disagree with everything that you're saying right now. My, my application to you is to read the Bible. Just read it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Just pick it up and start reading it. And I want you to find for me where being uncommitted, disloyal, transient, and careless with the gospel and the community, find me where that's a win. Anywhere. Just find it for me. And and then what? Because if it's in there, we'll do it, right? I want you to find for me a place where Jesus was not intensely passionate for His bride, committed, devoted to His bride. Find me that. Chandler, he goes on to say this, When church is just a place you attend without ever joining, like an ecclesiological buffet, you might just consider whether you're always leaving whenever your heart begins to be exposed by the Spirit and the real work is beginning to happen. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. You know, I had a guy um, just a few months ago come up, and real nice guy, man, just talked to him for a little bit, and he's like, yeah, we've been looking for a church for nine years. Nine years. We're so glad we found you. And I'm thinking, I'm not. I mean, you're in a big city. There's churches all over. Nine years? A, you've not been looking for nine years. B, if you have and you've been a part of that many churches, then there's probably something wrong with you, not the churches you're going to, right? That's what Chandler's talking about right here, that's what he's addressing if that's you and you have found yourself just pulling up your stakes in your investment and roaming from place to place with no intention of ever saying God might be calling me here to drop anchor, if that's you when is it that you'll find home? what will that church look like? what will that pastor look like? are you looking for a perfect one? a perfect people? You're not going to find it because I'm cracked by the same sin that cracked you The same sin that made mankind collapse under the weight of itself is on me, on our leadership, and on our people, just like it is on you. It's important that you know that. Our lead pastor is Jesus Christ. And that's the only part that is perfect about this church. Some of you are totally unconvinced. Some of you are not sure. I'm not saying not sure about committing here. Some of you might be there too. I'm saying not sure about committing to a local tribe somewhere at all. That whole concept you might not be sure about. Just in general. I want you to assess your heart. Where do you struggle most? Is it with authority? Do you struggle with commitment? Community? I mean, Jesus walked under authority. He was authority, yet he walked under authority. Right? He was intensely committed, so he could show his community. Right? Right? something very beautiful that we see in Jesus' life as it helps us even in this so what does this mean for you if you're in between if you're not sure I want you to not just to, anytime you go to a church for those of you who might be looking for a church give it a few weeks don't just come once you're not going to figure out anything from one or two times give it six, seven weeks give it a good swath of times so where you can kind of feel that this is what it looks like in every situation just give it a shot keep coming we'll love you But we do want to honor the gospel. We want to honor the scripture as a church. We see it going this way as a church because we want to protect you. We want to protect you and serve you better. This is the only way we think we can do it as the church grows. So one thing we're going to do, we have a a wedding next week. Right after that wedding, for the next six weeks, we're going to go over the controversial things that we believe as a church. That doesn't mean that we believe a lot of controversial things. It means a lot of the orthodox things we believe are very controversial today. Okay? And as we go over this, we're going to describe to you not just what we believe, because that's just boring. That's a classroom. Then I not just be teaching, right? But really preaching to the heart of this is how it looks in community, and then this is how it looks on mission for us as a church. After six weeks of that, you should have a good understanding of who we are. At that point, if this is a church that you feel like you can say at the end of the day, this is home for me. Until God moves me elsewhere, this is home for me. Then we're going to give you the opportunity to come in and say this is home for you. And that will give us the opportunity to serve you and love you to a totally different level than we were able to before. If that makes any sense at all. Okay? Some of you are totally convinced and you're like, Luke, I agree. Where do I sign up? Um, Listen, I want you to give it seven weeks too. I want you to give it six weeks too. We might hit something that you're not so crazy about. We just might get to something that you're like, ah you had me till there. Listen, you don't have to believe everything we believe. We'd ask that you respect everything that we believe. Just not be divisive about what we believe. You don't have to believe everything that we believe to be a member or partner with this. You just don't. That's weird. But we'd ask that you would respect it. That's what we're saying. So even if you're ready to go, I'm here. Even if you've been with us since the living room, right? Since the couch upstairs in the living room, I want you to give it six or seven weeks. Okay? And we'll assess it then. I want you to understand just the weight of it, really. And some of you are totally lost in this thing and very self-aware of it. And you're like, Luke, none of this is relevant to me because I'm far from Christ or I'm not excited about Christ or I'm not even sure where I'm at with Christ. Some of you, that is where you're at. And so you're like, this is totally irrelevant. You're right, it is. It's totally irrelevant because I'm talking about a secondary thing. What I'm most concerned about with you is the primary thing, your primary membership. Not you being a part of this local thing, but you being a part of the body in general that is my biggest the only application i have for you is the same one i have week after week after week which is you need to turn away from being self-fascinated with your own authority committed to yourself and only in community with yourself and give yourself to a god who came to earth in skin just like we did to trade places with you and me on a cross to win us into a noble bloodline right the creator who came Right? To be destroyed. The judge who came to be judged. This beautiful gospel that's so intoxicating for you to give your life to it. That's primary membership. That's square one. Then everything else becomes relevant. Does that make sense?